Busy as a global co-working and conference community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Juicy Podcast. I'm Liz Elam. I am super excited to have the founder of Val with us today. And that is Mo Hamzian. And Mo, how are you? I'm very well. Thanks, Liz. Lovely uh, to be here. I'm a huge fan of you, the work you do with Juicy. You're like the godmother of this industry. and, And I'm happy to be here. Oh, thank you so much. But like, just can we delve a little bit more into like, how's your health? How are you feeling? How's the fam? Is everything good in your world? Everything is great. Entrepreneurship, successful CEOs and entrepreneurship requires to be singularly obsessed. So it means mm-hmm. I'm extremely, extremely good at a few things and, and less good at others. And sometimes that comes with compromise on health and, and balance. But something that's interesting, my grandfather was a three-star general and he was like five foot one a lot of presence. And I did ask him this kind of this balance between ambition and work-life balance in my late twenties. And he said something very interesting to me. He said, Mo, you have to draw for balance. You have to draw like a 50 to 70 year curve. And if that curve is in a kind of a forward momentum going up, then you have balance, but there's no, you can't, I mean, if you're trying to win the Olympics, you can't have balance for four years and you Mm -hmm. have to be mindful of that. So yeah, I'm, I'm great. Business is good. And Awesome. Well, I'm sure many people are thinking, what is this company? I have not heard of Val. So tell us about it. Yeah. So Val, we wanted to take everything that's truly amazing about a coffee shop, which is informal, snackable, pay-as-you-go, no-check value, anonymous, and take the best things that exist with co-working and the latest kind of industrial organizational design in office space and marry the two. So we joke around, we say we're the love child of Starbucks and we were just to kind of <laughs> deliver the point really, really well. So, and we saw this giant sociological seismic shift in how people work and engage with space preceding COVID, in fact. And the numbers are quite, they're the freelance economy and that digital dispersed, decentralized workforce. The numbers are quite, quite staggering. And there have been, that trend has preceded COVID and COVID just catalyzed it two, three X. So now we see up to 90 million Americans who are no longer going to a de- dependable second place, which is an office. Um, and so they're either at home or they're going to a flexible workplace, which, and America has adopted the coffee shop as a flexible workplace. And to some extent, tongue in cheek, um, we believe the future of the office may in fact be a coffee shop like ours or co-working. So we wanted to create, um, recreate or replicate the, the coffee shop that everyone truly loves into a productivity tool all the way from the menu down to the space itself and everything in between to deliver a, again, a low check value, anonymous, pay-as-you-go, on-the-go, flexible experience to, to people in different verticals and different touch points. And we've had lots of iterations beyond that, lots of learning beyond that. But in short, that's, that's what we're trying to do. That's our mission. So y'all know when I met because South by had a free day for people to come and tour their product space. And I was touring through and talking to folks and somebody said, you've got to go see my friend Mo. He's got this really interesting co-working slash coffee shop concept. So of course I was like beelining across 
this insanely large venue where South by has all these people showing new products and things. It's really, really kind of fun to go to. And I walked up and I saw what looked like a small co-working space. And I could see there was a very busy barista person. And then I saw the little robots delivering coffee, which of course everybody loved. And I saw phone booths and I saw meeting space. And Mo was busy on camera multiple times. And I was fascinated. And it was a really cool like drop-in coffee shop meeting space. And I immediately got it. And I was like, okay, this is interesting because one of the things that absolutely drives me crazy, I was just in Toronto at IQ offices with Kane and they had just redesigned this beautiful building that IQ offices is in. And the lobby is just this massive vacant space with horrible couches that nobody wants to sit on, but mainly it's a cavern. It's not activated. There's nowhere to get a coffee. There's nowhere to have a meeting. And in fact, I had to take a phone call while Kane and I were at dinner and I went and sat in the lobby and one of the security guards told me to be quiet. <laughs> priceless. Yeah, priceless. So I get the, you know, dropping these into malls and into lobbies, definitely airports. Where are some spaces that you guys currently have the product? Yeah, so you're absolutely exactly right. You know, we move uh, very gradually from a brick and mortar coffee shop retail, and we still appreciate that. And we have some rollout for that. We decided it's really important. I mean, if, as a CEO, as an entrepreneur, you ought to believe that your product is the best thing since sliced bread. You have to be mission-led, vision-led, and a steadfast commitment to that direction, because otherwise the journey is just so grueling, you won't get there. You can't white knuckle it and you can't style it out. So you have to be a believer and therefore that predisposition of belief demands for you to say, you know, this 11 year old boy of world domination, right? It's just, I want to add maximum value. So one of the things that, that mindset said to us in the early days, two years ago said, look, it's going to be very difficult to scale real estate from a brick and mortar point of view. We, you know, America is, there are no borders. It's not like Europe. It's a centralized economy. It's a very liquid marketplace. Getting to 20 or 30 was within the time horizon of five years. We could get to 20, 30 in five years, uh, but could we get to 500 in five years? Can we build a roadmap that says we can get, we can do what Starbucks did in 40 years, in 10 years? That might be a slightly pompous position, but idealism changes the world. And that's how we feel about it. So we said, well, there's no way you can do that with brick and mortar, just too complicated, too decentralized mm -hmm. as real estate. So we said, look, we have to be built in factories so that product evolution accelerated to, to, to a place whereby the entire value proposition is now built in factory, exactly what you saw in South by Southwest. So much so that Hayworth, our manufacturer, found us really tantalizing and the workplace is changing, et cetera. So they partnered up with us, they financially partnered up with us and now sit on our cap table. So now for us, the real chapter is exactly what you said, Liz, is to penetrate lobbies and atriums and public spaces. These dense foot traffic environments where there is a, either a coffee or food and beverage desert, but there's definitely a co-working or privacy desert that doesn't exist. And part of our size means, and our, our ability to generate revenue from the bar means two things. One, we can go to really wonderful places that other more established, larger co-working current. And, and two, we can go to multiple verticals. So now 
we are negotiating with San Francisco airport. We are, we have a deal with Amtrak. We are also looking at multiple offices. You know, one of what Lord and Taylor building in, in New York is one of them. Amazon's recent acquisition of that property and a couple of hotels and some deals I, I can't talk about yet, but, and the real quest, the ultimate quest for the company is, and we're getting there is to find that strategic centralized rollout partner that can say, you know what, here's a path of growth for the company, for the product that can give us 500 locations in the next couple of years. So exciting times ahead. Yeah, definitely. So how many square feet are you envisioning this product kind of settling into? You know, public and atrium environments are more scarce than you realize. They're more sacred. They're, they're not less scarce. There's a good supply of them, but they're more sacred. So therefore, you have to produce a smaller footprint to be able to activate the, the most prime versions of it. And then you can scale thereafter. We've taken huge amount of pride from a product development and design development. And we said one of our unique selling points as a company has to be the design of high revenue, low capex, small footprints. So our intention has always been, let's put a microchip in a phone and not in a briefcase. So because once you can figure out how to design 200, 300 square feet that can generate half a million dollars, thereafter, it's just an extension of that experience and, and size. So the footprint that you saw in Southwest Southwest was 400 square feet. And believe it or not, that had a bar. Out of that bar, we were serving 70, 80 drinks an hour. That's like drive-through territory. And that 400 square feet had seven private spaces and seven open spaces. So you had 14 seats at the same time. So it packs a punch, huge amounts of robotics. I don't know if you remember or not. We play, we, I, I believe space has a, is a responsibility to you. Some people call that Peng Shui. Some people call that ergonomics, behavioral sciences has an impact. And similar to a casino or an airport, those spaces drive your behavior. I mean, you go to a casino, good luck getting out. They also pump oxygen mm -hmm. in there because, they, you know, they have a mandate and an airport's responsibility is for security. So we want to see over time whether our space can nudge behavior, can nudge productivity. And, and therefore we lean heavily into behavioral sciences, organizational mm -hmm. psychology, scent, lighting, acoustics, visual visuals, and even, you know, even the playing around with temperature, there's testing being done right now on colder temperature activates the more analytical side of your brain, warmer yeah. temperature is, it, you know, makes you much more creative. So we, we're asking the question, why should you inherit the space, right? Why should you inherit the temperature or scent or the lighting? Mm -hmm. You should have some curation over that. And we're trying to, we're trying to deliver that to customers. I love that so much because, you know, it is, it is about your first impression. It really is. And, you know, a lot of co-working spaces that I've been to kind of are missing that right now. Like a piece of paper is greeting you, not a human, which is like a crime in my opinion. And, you know, it's really important that initial sense that you get and the smell and the look and all of those things. Now your spaces, are they do you need power and water? What do you need to put one into a vacant lobby? Yeah, so that's a that's an interesting question. One thing that uh, we realized when we did South by Southwest and Miami Tech Week was our capabilities of delivering the same experience from an FMB point of view and space being MEP efficient. So we we did that. We can operate from a reservoir system on a permanent basis. 
that's not preferred because our menu, there's more menu variety and depth to what our offering is. If there is, if there is water and also we can, most of our equipment, apart from the, the, the stuff for food and beverage operates on the same electricity as your iPhone. So we don't even need high wiring. So really, really light MEP and flexible to be able to activate. But most of the places that we're looking at, most landlords have, have predetermined those spaces right. for food and beverage. Yeah. It's so interesting because, you know, a lot of times I in particular get calls from people who are like, oh, you know, I have this business and I want to turn the rest of my office into a co-working space. And I'm like, well, how big is this space? And they're like, oh, it's, you know, 3000 square feet. And I'm like, it's too small. And they're like, what? And so it's interesting because where everybody else is really starting out big, to me, the average co-working space that opens these days is probably between 10 and 20,000 square feet. You guys are going the opposite and saying, let's start at 400 in scale. And I love that. I think it's so interesting to go the opposite route because there are so many spaces that need activation. And as we evolve and find different ways to work, in different places to work, this just makes a ton of sense. I agree with you 100%. And I, I love co-working. I really do. We work made me feel a huge amount of legitimacy in, you know, 10, 15 years ago. What they did for the industry and obviously their, you know, their forefather, Regis and IWG. What okay. those companies have, what company, those companies have done have given that flexible worker a, 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 a this cultural bond. And it's validated. There was a, some level of validation what WeWork did for me. And there are lots of other brands who did that for other people. It was just WeWork for me. One thing that exists right now is because of that disbursement of, of employee and, and labor and, and, and the force, there is that cultural bond is missing. When you are as 50,000, 5,000, 10 people, 20 people get up and commute and go to an office. There is a certain united camaraderie that comes with that. I mean, there's lots of pains with that. Commute is not much fun, but in a dispersed environment, particularly if you're a freelance, you're missing that cultural bond and that validation because you're working out of these coffee shops in an anonymous, unrepresented setting. So one of the things that we want to do is to be able to create those microcultures that exist and whether they're for employers or for yourself. And that comes from its starting point is good quality hardware. Its starting point is a recognition that says, look, we were built just for you because you're in a train station or in an airport or you're on the go, or we're in a lobby near where you live. We've been designed to accommodate you both from a food and beverage point of view and, uh, and space, but at a low check value. I mean, accessibility is huge for me. I mean, the reason, look, whether you're a student or a billionaire, if immaterial of your sex, creed, and religion, you transact with an iPhone. Hopefully most people are on iPhone. New transactions. Smart ones iPhone. are. The smart ones are, yeah. In the same affability as any, there's no, there, there are no barriers because the iPhone has been designed in a way to, to reach you in a hugely engaging way, immaterial of who you are, because now it's really affordable. There are, there are various programs to get it. So that accessibility is, is really, really important to me as a CEO to mm -hmm. kind of make that very meritocratic and democratic so everyone can access it. The same way as I accessed WeWork when I was younger. Um, mm -hmm. in, in my father's age, you know, there was no, the co-working was established. So for you to access that level of space and be productive and have all the emotional attachments to that space, you, you had to get involved in a long incumbent lease, 
in a really snazzy location part of town. You probably couldn't afford it. And there was a huge amount of snobbery about it. And, and there was the case of the haves and the haves nots. And the world is changing and, and the workplace needs to become much more democratic. Hey there, breaking in here to tell you about our upcoming conference. Join us in London this November for Juicy UK. We'll discuss the latest trends and innovations in the co-working in flex space world. In addition to our awesome sessions, attendees will be able to network with industry leaders and providers. We'll round out the juicy experience with a happy hour and tour of local co-working spaces. Whether you're a space operator, investor, developer, vendor, or just co-curious, Juicy UK has something for you. Mark calendars and plan to join us in London on November 2nd and 3rd. See you there. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's there's two things we always say you can't run out of in a co-working space. The first is coffee. And the second is fast internet. And those are two things that, of course, you have. And in addition to that, you know, the ability to power your devices. Like, how many times have you gotten to the airport and then gone and scoured the walls and the columns looking for power? Like, it's ridiculous to me. I was in the Toronto airport recently and, like, literally was at a gate that didn't have anywhere to power a device. I was like, how is this possible in 2023? So I like that you're helping solve that. And it's funny, it made me think about, I recently watched the Blackberry movie on a plane about that device. And I thought that was such an interesting kind of case study on just absolutely missing the mark, right? And a founder thinking that he knew what everybody needed and it was a clickable keyboard and Apple just destroyed them. And it was, I just thought it was so interesting. Have you seen that movie? I love that movie. Yeah. For a variety of reasons, because, you know, th there is a curse of the incumbent for sure. And people capitalize on it. Markets really, really shift quite quickly and, you know, empires rise and fall. And that's what makes the game so interesting. And it, it enables companies to be fostered and grown that we love so much. I mean, Airbnb is a prime example of that. Taking the establishment on Uber is, a, is another prime example where taking a, a large decentralized market and centralizing it around the common theme. And we feel to some degree the same way. I, I like what you mentioned about Wi-Fi and power. I, I am naturally an introvert. You might not think it, but I charge my batteries by myself. And you do too. Yeah. So mm -hmm. one thing that's important to me as soon as I leave my home, the, the only other place I get that is really my car, is neurological safety. Is this place for me to say it's mine? And whether it's for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour, it doesn't matter. And once the average person has left home, they don't really have that level of neurological safety. And that comes with environment and space. So we're also trying to create that by way of acoustic value, think space, just your own private space that's mm -hmm. you still, you, but you're still included. I mean, you go to minute suites. I love that they exist, by the way, but I, I arrived at a minute suite in Nashville on a Saturday. And first of all, there, there are s separatists, like you go into a minute suite, it's your suite. You're, you just, you don't even know you're in an airport at that point. I arrived there on a Saturday and I said, you have any availabilities because I hadn't booked in advance. And they said, yes, next Tuesday, so even my flight is in a couple of hours. <laughs> how's, how's next Tuesday going to help me? But so we want to create these environments whereby hospitality grade privacy is important and mm -hmm. we're, we're doing a good job of that. Yeah, and I think, and I love that, and there were definitely phone booths and meeting areas and collaborative space, and I really like that. One thing I picked up on in the very beginning was you said anonymous, and, you know, one of the things I worry about, if you know me at all, you know that I am, you know, a fierce supporter of mental health, 
And one of the things that we have is this loneliness epidemic. And I don't want space. I mean, I want there to be the option to be anonymous because I also recharge alone and I totally get that. But I know you, I think you have an app, right, as well. It would be so cool if there was some way for the app to help connect people because even though lots of people want to be alone or think they want to be alone, they actually need interaction because the thing, the opposite of of addiction is connection and the opposite of loneliness is probably communing with other people. So I just, I don't know if you're already addressing that or thinking about that, but that just really piqued my interest because we can all go about the world anonymously, but the world needs us to not always do that. And I, again, I totally get it. Sometimes you need to go heads down. Sometimes you need to get stuff done. The other thing I thought of is we should be pumping oxygen into phone booths, just like a casino. Thanks for bringing that up. Mental well-being is one of my pet projects. If I'm ever behind some philanthropic or charity, it's always connected to mental well-being. I also think employers have a, they have to overcompensate. They have a responsibility for your well-being, basically mm-hmm. uh, men- yes. mental well-being. In the same way as a, a football club has a responsibility to your knees uh, or your shoulders, whatever it is, um, mm-hmm. the employers do. And some employers take that really, really seriously in material of size. And I really enjoy seeing that. And so we care about that too, internally and within our product and mandate. So by anonymous, I mean free-flowing. I mean, in the same way, like Starbucks, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there is high degree of social engagement in a Panera or a local co- a boutique coffee shop, wherever you are, right? So I take the Starbucks back because most of the revenues take away. So if you're, and most of that revenue is cold drinks. So if you're buying a hot drink and sitting in Starbucks, you're, you know, you're one of the, you're, you're an outlier. They have so many customers mm-hmm. that you still, you're not a, you're not, in terms of volume, you're not an outlier because they have so many customers, but in terms of trend, you're an outlier, but you transact with a coffee shop anonymously. You don't have to be a subscriber. Um, no one has to know you. I mean, you don't have to volunteer your name. The POS knows you because it knows your credit card, but you can go in and out freely without having to have a, some sort of a inclusion membership. So. And, and in the same way as you can transact with Best Buy, you can be anonymous and you don't have to be part of their loyalty program. So it's, that's more closer to what I mean. However, you're absolutely right. We are trying to create a sense of belonging. And, but because of our size, funnily enough, we don't start with community. We start with individual and say individuals come together and form a cohort and that's their responsibility. So. Who does that? Maybe, I mean, Apple doesn't get out of bed to build a community. They build up, they get out of bed to build good hardware and people who use an Apple phone, okay, there's some likeness, but it's not the same as uh, belonging to the same church, for instance, right? That's like the holy grail, excuse the pun, of communities is belonging to the same church. So we are, we're very product centric, but it's important to create a sense of belonging and that belonging gives you this mental satisfaction that says, you know what, I'm, repre- I'm represented and like, like-minded representation. And you're right, within our app, we do have that shared environment. People can opt in and get to know each other and, or share trade. Yeah, yeah. And then I am super curious on, you know, kind of what's next for you guys. So this is such an exciting time and I know you're currently out looking for like a really good partner to roll this out what nationwide or globally 
That's exactly right. Behind our design, we feel our product market fit is there. It's been tested extremely well. We know the demand, there's more demand than, than supply. So we're speaking to landlords all the time and they really need what we have. Hayworth's power, both from a production, manufacturing, finance, as well as good design. You know, they've been manufacturing the large private, privately held company, been around for 75 years, um, large sales, several billion dollars of sales, global, top five furniture manufacturer, office furniture manufacturer. It's amazing when you go to their showroom in Grand Rapids, and I, I highly recommend anyone who hasn't been, it looks like a Formula One building, by the way. And when you go inside, there is such a product-centric environment about building the best chair or the best desk. And somewhere along the line, and human beings said to themselves, I have a good laptop and I have a chair and a desk and that's workplace. In fact, it isn't. And the large tech companies or forward-thinking large conglomerates as employees are thinking about the well-being of their customer base, whether it's the lower bag mm -hmm. or lighting mm -hmm. or a common room, whatever it is, and employers are doing everything they can to get people back in. But the majority of us haven't invested in that level of grade because it's really expensive. I mean, a, a good quality pod is $20,000 and that's just a single pod. Most employers aren't investing in that. I mean, and Amazons of the world are, and to some extent, no employer is investing in that anymore because the dust hasn't settled and no one really knows what a real estate is going to look like. So that's a real opportunity for us is to be able to take Hayworth's product line and their product chassis, customize it in a way that we think should be customized and introduce it at scale to the retail customer, the retail worker who is much more transient, you know, the person who's earning Upwork and, and Fiverr. So it's a really, really exciting opportunity to unveil a incredible product that's typically sat behind a corporate veil to, to a large consumer base. And you find people transacting with it in the most peculiar way. People that you don't think that would, would ever happen. We have parents who come in and bring their teenagers for, so they could get some acoustic value in a pod because they, they love the un, uninterrupted feel. We have gamers who love our Wi-Fi and sit for six or seven hours in a paid seat just to access our, our Wi-Fi and our menu and every, everyone in between. So it's just a, a riveting experience to see that consumer transact with such quality hardware. And it's a yeah, dream come true. That's awesome. Okay, so it's time for my end question. So lately I've been stumping people with my new end question. So I'm giving you a choice of question. Love so it. the stumping question that most people don't like to answer is, what question should I have asked you that I didn't? Or you can answer, what do you, if you could go back and tell your 12-year-old self one thing, what would it be? <laughs> my 12-year-old self. You know, I think I take things really seriously. I'm an intense person and I'm singularly minded in many respects. And I often find myself having had a good week, but I didn't know I had a good week. So I didn't enjoy it, right? So I think if I went back to my 12-year-old self, I would say, just enjoy the ride more and <laughs> because it just goes by so quickly. The good and the bad. And yeah, problems come and go, challenges come and go. It's just important to be able to enjoy it as much as possible. To some extent, I'm horizon-led and I'm constantly pushing forward. And that is really good ingredients for achievement, but not always for, you know, having a good time doing it. But I would have advised myself for that. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it could be summed up as stay present. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I will tell you something like, I heard 
I'll tell you something I heard. You're probably going to edit this out. <laughs> now I'm definitely not. Yeah, Lauren told me. They said, this is about being a present. They said, look, you know what happens if one foot in, is in yesterday and one, one foot is in tomorrow? You're in a perfect position to piss on today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I actually heard something recently that said, if you're living in the past, you're living in fear. And if you're living in the future, you're living in anxiety. And if you live in the now, you can be happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's tough to Super live in the now. Like, really, really tough to live in the now. Particularly if you're constantly creating, solving challenges, there is, you have to think of the future, but you, you have to be um, non-attached to it and disassociated from it, but still think of the future without the apprehension of the outcomes of the future, because you have very little control over it, but it's mm-hmm. extremely difficult. It requires high degree of meditation and just good people around you. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. and that's why I have, that's why we have advisors. I mean, we have, we have people on our advisory board who can do that. For us as entrepreneurs and managers who can help us bring up that mental periscope and give ourselves mm-hmm. give ourselves a bit of a break. Well, and I also think as an entrepreneur, you know, nobody's like calling you up and saying, You did a great job. Like nobody's <laughs> ever gonna do that. But every now and then, like I'll get a glimpse of it, maybe after a juicy or somebody'll be like, That was really great. And I'll be like, Thank you. <laughs> because like nobody is running around telling you you're doing a good job, like because you work for yourself. And so it's just, it's interesting because we really need that sometimes, you know, just like this little reminder that like, okay, you know what, you're doing a good job. And you're like, oh, thanks. Nobody's told me that in a really long time. It's so true. That doesn't happen. But there are these things called AI companions now and they're blisteringly good. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, you're the one who turned me on to Otter AI. So it makes sense that I would learn. I'm going to learn about the AI companion. No, this has been so fun. You know, I'm so glad that we were serendipitously brought together at South by, or maybe it wasn't serendipity at all. Maybe it's already, already figured out for us, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to want to get in touch with you after this. So what is the best way to reach you? Honestly, LinkedIn is my favorite go-to way. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you put it in your show notes, but I'm very responsive there and I enjoy connecting with people there. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you again. It was an absolute pleasure and I will look forward to seeing you at the next Juicy. I can't wait. Thanks so much, Liz. Thanks. Take care, y'all. And we'll see you on the next Juicy podcast.